The oceans are rising, and so are we. And we should be. That was from an anti-deep sea mining protest in Vancouver a few months ago. I was one of the protesters. Welcome to Scana, a podcast about oceans, ecoethics, and the environment for fans of fact-based reality and reality-based facts. I'm Mark Lern Young. I'm the author of five books about life in the oceans, including Orcas Everywhere and Sharks Forever, which are both officially written for younger readers, but they're really meant for anyone who cares about orcas or sharks. Back in February, I attended the 5th International Marine Protected Areas Congress in Vancouver, and I listened to guests like keynote speaker Sylvia Earle warn about the dangers of deep-sea mining. And one reason they were issuing these warnings in Vancouver is because while deep-sea mining is said to take place in Nauru, the company doing the mining, the metals company, is based in Vancouver. And of course, they're not mining our oceans, because we wouldn't allow that to happen here. The Canadian government is opposed to deep-sea mining in Canadian water. Now, I've seen ads for this project boasting that ripping open the ocean floor is so much better than clear-cutting the rainforest, which strikes me as about the same as arguing that it is so much better to be shot in the right lung than the left lung. So that protest I joined was a march from the Vancouver Trading Convention Center, where the conference was being held, to the corporate headquarters of the metals company about a mile away. One of the people I most wanted to interview at this conference was Jonathan Masulam, who came from New Guinea to raise awareness about the dangers of ripping up the ocean floor. While I was looking for Jonathan, one of the protest organizers asked if I wouldn't mind holding a banner for a sec so he could get the march started. The banner, which you can see in our show notes, reads, Ban Seabed Mining in Papua New Guinea and the Pacific. The person on the other end of the banner, holding the other corner, Jonathan Masulam. So we marched together, chanted together, and, when we were done, sat in a room back at the convention center so he could tell me his story. A quick warning about the audio, the room we were in wasn't private. Uh, We've got the occasional echo in it, and at one point someone decided that just as we were hitting the most important part of the interview, it was the perfect time to move a stack of dishes. So apologies to the clatter, apologies to the echo, but the interview is worth it. If you'd like to help us share these stories, please join Pod at patreon.com or become a paid subscriber on Substack. Please share our episodes and follow us on whichever social media platform you find the least evil. Our Patreon patrons do get all sorts of cool perks, including bonus content from interviews and sneak peeks at our ocean-related projects, like our upcoming documentary version of my book, The Killer Whale Who Changed the World, and some sneak previews of my next book about octopus. You can also support us by buying my books about whales and sharks, and my books that aren't about whales, which tend to be a lot funnier. And now, The Dangers of Deep Sea Mining with Ocean Warrior, Jonathan Masulam. For more information on what you can do to help Jonathan or join the fight against deep sea mining, please visit us at scanna.org or scanna on Substack, where we will be sharing links to his work and the various campaigns to stop deep sea mining. 
Right, uh, thank you. Uh, it's great to have this short uh, interview basically on the issue of seabed uh, mining, the campaign that we have been uh, doing for almost a decade now. My name is uh, Jonathan Mesulam. I'm from Papua New Guinea. My island province is New Island. I'm a teacher by profession, but I left teaching because of the issues that I saw that is affecting the community. As a teacher, I went back home and I, I see a lot of companies coming into the community, uh, doing their part in engaging community for the projects that they want to have established in the community. I see that this information gap where a lot of time companies come into the community, they present only the good or the advantages of those companies, but nothing really is said about the disadvantages of those projects, especially logging, mining, and all this. So when when the government of Papua New Guinea gave uh, Metallus Minerals Environmental Permit in 2007 or uh, 9, and the mining license in 2011, the community were, you know, lost because they thought that this project is going to happen. In 2014 or 15, we have these machines from the company that these huge machines came to our show in Port Mosby. And, you know, the project was set. It, it was a go on. It was ready to operate. And everyone lost hope. What else can we do? But we thank uh, a number of concerned individuals, uh, civil societies, um, and environmental scientists, and people who have the heart for the environment that has been coming to the province to raise this concerns and trying to give this information on the uh, disadvantage of the project to the community. So it is. It has taken time because a lot of time people come and give this information and they go back. There is really no one from the community to stand up and raise those uh, issues. So I decided to leave teaching and come back home and fill in this gap by bringing this information and trying to to simplify it to the understanding of the community. So by doing that, we see that the community were better informed now and they were able to weigh out the benefits and the risks. So they see that we see that the risk, right, is really, you know, huge. And the benefits are small. How can we continue our survival with very little benefit from such project? So you see the, the, the project has got a huge uh, risk. So, when the people start to understand the risk, they started to, you know, raise their voices and start talking about this issue of seabed mining. So you will note that in in the project itself, the seabed mining project runs through the hydrothermal vents or the active volcanic area. And we are in the Pacific Ring of Fire, so this is the sites that have been selected for the project. Under this, we have active undersea volcano, so who, who, who knows what will happen? There is no the risk management plan and all this. So for a country like Papua New Guinea, if this uh, goes ahead, then what will happen to the local communities? 
So because of this, the people started to raise their voice, and in 2016, we formed this Alliance of Solwara Warriors. It's a group of concerned individuals, uh, educated elites, the churches, especially the PNG Council of Churches, the mainline churches, as the Catholic Church, the United Church, and the Lutheran. They have been very vocal on the issue of seabed mining. And when we use the church network to reach out to the community with the voice of the churches, then the people starting to, you know, throw their support also. Because, as I've stated earlier, we have already the machines in the country, so what else do we have? Everyone lost hope. So we started to campaign against this and we thank God that in 2017, when we went to the Pacific Conference of Churches in Fiji, the message from the conference, Pacific Conference of Churches was to call for a ban on seabed mining. So we used the platform coming back to the country in PNG. We used the church to move in the community to say no to seabed mining. And that's where people starting to realize the importance of uh, the marine environment because if the church does not speak on behalf of the people then we we lose this voice so because of the church voice it's more powerful how can an individual or a group certain group of people try to stop such project the church is already active in the community so the church represents the people Fantastic. So, yeah so, so so that's that's how we we continue to raise this concern and in 2019, we saw that Natalus was declared bankrupt and the company was finished. And th that is because of these very strong voices raised by the, the churches and the people like us who have been pushing this message at the community. Just last month, not last month, but last year in October, we learned of a new company that bought off Natalus Mineral Assets. Natalus is over, but there's a new company because of the existing license that is still active. The company known as the Deep Sea Mining Finance and Sustainable Mining Solution, they bought off this license and they want to continue pursue this Solwara One project. So it's now almost three months. We are into this fight again with this new company. And we, we think, uh, you know, developed nations like France, all these have uh, come out publicly in COP27 and calling for a ban on seabed mining. But we have not gathered in, any information from our government. Numerous petitions, uh, objections, media statement on, on all this, the government, our government has not responded. And I, I know I just finished from the conference and got this bag from the fisheries. And we asked them about the stand from the Canadian government about the issue on deep sea mining because these are Canadian companies coming to PNG. So if the, the laws, maritime laws and environmental laws in Canada is very strong for those companies to operate them, they choose chosen those weak government system, the weak government laws, maritime laws, environmental laws to come and operate. Why don't they start off from Canada and see if they can be able to grant those license to them while coming over to those weak government system. So, so these are all Canadian companies? These are Canadian companies. Natalus is a Canadian company. So why, why do we have to have a Canadian company coming to do seabed mining? Why, why do we have, we have to attend such program now that is currently underway? The 
Marine Protected Area. We are doing all the contradictory things the government is doing by saying protecting the area and then you are approving license for seabed mining. What are we protecting? The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals talks about protecting and conserving the oceans and seas. That is the UN SDG 14. What is the commitment of our government, our people to addressing this goal? Can you give a brief explanation of what is what they're actually doing, what the mining is going to be, and what the potential impacts are, what you're afraid of? So I'll, I'll, I'll continue with the... Yeah, uh, yeah. please. So, so you, you see, the, the goals, the government visions and all this talks about sustainable development goals, the ocean, protecting and conserving of, of our ocean. The sea, the fisheries is a sustainable uh, you know, project that people have survived on. So the reason why we continue to say no to seabed mining is because the ocean plays a critical role in supporting our survival. It continues to provide for our basic needs at the community level, supporting a local economy through fisheries and the national economy. We have these uh, fisheries projects and fishing industry that continue to support the government budget. So why do we have to to stop the sustainable program by looking at deep sea mining which is short term and leaves the destruction long term, destruction on the marine environment? When you look at the, the site that we are, the project is situated, it's under the active hydrothermal one. So, so what will happen if somehow these machines disturb this undersea volcano? What's going to happen to the local community? If there, it might be a huge uh, tsunami or disaster that might, you know, the risk are unknown, still unknown. No one knows the risk. So why should we push for this? Our communities in the West Coast area, we are famous for our, one of our culture, a unique culture, the Sakolin culture. So our culture is under threat also. The sacks are, you know, sensitive to sound. So if this project goes out, what will happen to this sack? If this sea is uh, damaged, destroyed, what, where are these sacks going to go? How, how can we tell our grandchildren or children that we once have this? Sakolin culture. The sea has been part and it's connected with us for generations. So these, these are some things that uh, we don't want to lose. And at this stage in, in PNG, we have a lot of mining on land. This is not wanted and it's not a need at this stage. So as a role of uh, the creation as human being, we are asked to protect the ocean as guardian or custodian of the environment. So why do we have to go into such project? And we're also looking at the issues, the current issues that is affecting us. Climate change is one of this a threat that is affecting coastal island communities. A lot of uh, island communities, especially in PNG, those low-lying islands under threat of rising sea level, the marine resources have been very supportive in providing for their daily survival. So if this sea is destroyed, where else does people are going to get the food? So we will have another big issue, and that will be the climate-displaced people, climate-displaced communities. Where can we find a place for these people? At this stage, in PNG, we have the land. Most of our land is customary land. And that is why a lot of projects that are going into the communities 
has to go through process of consultation on this because the people owns the land. So if situation like this where we have displaced communities, it's not easy to settle them. So what are we going to do to those communities? The other issues that we look at also in PNG uh, government is we do not have a legislative framework or legislation that protects the rights of the community. So currently, there is no regulatory framework in place. So if this project goes ahead, then how can we regulate this industry and support the community in the event that the project has issues with, you know, where people live? So this, these are serious issues that we have been raising over this time. So for us, it's not over. We're still uh, fighting and trying to stop this project. In New Ireland alone, we have uh, two mining licenses by, owned by Natalus, and that is ML154 and ML512. And ML512 is still under discussion. But the government of PNG gave, like I stated earlier, the mining license back in 2011. That license, company mining license, expires in 2031. So we currently have a license, active license, and, and now it's 2023. And the license expires in 2031. We still have a long way to continue that momentum. You see, from 2011 to 2023, that's almost 10 Ten years, huh? For over a decade, we have managed to hold this company at bay. So we still have another ten years or so to fight for and hold this company and this license expires. So the, our fight now is calling for the government to cancel those licenses. So uh, in the exploration license, we have objected all three licenses. That is EL1196 that was given in a 19... Application date was in 1996 and grant date in 1997. We have objected that in 2018 and the license you can see is pending renewal because we have presented objection through the word engineering. There are two processes in presenting your objection. One is by verbally presented the word engineering and object the uh, granting of this license. And two is to fill up mining at form, form number 14 on objecting, written objection, presenting to MRA to object this license. So we have done both in 2018, 2020. And just before I came, uh, on the 31st, we presented the third objection on EL1374, objecting the license applied, exploration license now given to a uh, deep sea mining finance. So we have ob just objected that before I came. So these are some of the activities or tasks that we have been involved in so far for the last 10 years. And like I said, this fight is not over. We continue to raise this campaign, calling more support. And um, this is not an individual effort. It's a collective effort from everyone. Like when I'm talking, I'm not the only one talking. I'm representing a community representing the people that have been involved in this fight, representing NGOs or civil society, the churches. So it's a collective campaign that we all have a critical role to play at our different levels. Like we have to be thankful to media for 
always, you know, reporting these issues and publishing reports, news, and that is where attentions are being, you know, raised and the government catches those messages because they really present to attend to an invitation to, to a forum or a meeting the government does not present there. So through the work of the media, the role that they've played in dis- disseminating this information, it has reached their attention that, okay, people are still opposing, so they're now trying to find ways to come in, and this, it's so difficult. So where does your passion come from? What, what, can you talk about your involvement with the ocean? Like, what sparked you to leave teaching to do this? Well, for me, when, when I was teaching in uh, in the islands region of PNG, up in the islands back in 2007 to 2010. I learned of this project in a, a newspaper article while teaching up in the islands around 2010, I think. We were having some uh, lunch break and someone brought the newspaper and we were just skimming through and somehow we got on the page where the news on seabed mining was. And when I... When they told me about, oh, your province or your village or your area going to have a seabed mining. And that, that is just when everything, you know, I just felt that this is not right. So I have to get a transfer and came back home to New Island. And I taught in one of the secondary schools. And then every time I go out and do, during the weekend, do awareness and all this. But then, you know, the workload because of the presence of the company, unlike other campaigns, you you have a, there is no bigger issue to address for us. The company is already present on the ground. They have been funding activities on the ground. The government have been supporting them. So how can you you know go against something that the government has already pumped in money into, and they have delivered uh, projects in the community where people literally see these projects like bridges or schools supporting health. So how can you stop such operation when they're already physically present? What are you going to offer to the people? So it was a challenge that I, I took. And when, when I, I saw that it was huge, I decided to leave teaching and come back outside and just focus. I know when we visited a, a number of communities, they usually ask us, what are you going to do? That's the question many people will respond. So... You're coming to us to tell us that you're going to stop this seabed mining project. What are you going to do? Because here you're seeing Natalie's vehicle on the ground. You're seeing the bridges they're building, supporting the government. You're seeing the government and the, all the MPs that are in the province are supporting them. So it's a huge task. So it's unlike other campaigns where you, you have no obstacle to overcome or idle. We have a huge task to, you know, uh, focus on the mindset of the people and just change that. And like I said, because of the the involvement of the churches and all the movement, the people are saying that we have hope. And I can remember that one of the presentation I went to attend in Fiji. There was a scientist from this prep was invited to give a talk on seabed mining because it's a regional body that regulates seabed mining also. So he said, what, what else can you do? 
after we asked them, why, why can't you stop the seabed mining project and all this? They're already present in the ground. And we can do much. What else you can do? Because they're already yeah, and they are going to operate. And we watch just like, you know, but, but can, and he, he told us, frankly, that, uh, your only hope is to go and pray. So, you know, that's, that's the message. So this fight is not about us. It's about everyone. And we thank God for, you know, continuously supporting. If this, uh, issue was not really a concern for everyone, then I think this project would have already gone off the ground. But because of the mothers, their hearts, the children, uh, and a lot of time I, I know that they've been putting this campaign in their point. And I, I believe this, and through God, we have succeeded. And it's not, like I said, it's not an individual campaign. <laughs> what do you do or say <clears throat> or show when you go into a community to convince people? You don't have to convince people. Because you you got nothing to convince people. The only thing you tell them is you tell them the facts, the truths, and that that is it. Because if you try to convince them to you are going to bring project on this and this, you, you cannot do that. You have to tell them the facts that okay, this is what is going to happen. You show them videos of the sea, show them the light, and provide facts when you do your your community presentation and that's what we've been doing like you you cannot convince in other ways and other modes that you can think of because the company can come and convince you give you cash give you money and give you all these things but for us we, we are not there to convince people anymore because these the issues that we are raising and we must provide facts and the, the only truth will set people free by really understanding what it's going to happen. The sign that we carried yesterday, how many places has that been? I heard somebody say that's been around, the, around everywhere with you. Well, I've traveled places to, like, just uh, in November, I returned from Ireland for the Human Rights um, Defenders Platform where I brought this issue up, but I traveled around for this program in almost a lot of places now raising this issue on seabed mining. Also, one thing that we, we are mindful of is when such issues are raised, there are a lot of people coming in to take advantage of the community and, you know, try to be an ambassador, but at the back of their mind is personal, you know, interest. They want to take out something, but this out of our passion, our art that we continue. We are not paid to do this, but Whatever little support that we we take, that is because that is our commitment. Like when I left teaching, I don't know what what else I'm going to do. <laughs> it's a huge risk, you know. You leave your comfort zone and trying to come out with nothing. So, how are you going to support, uh, sustain the family, and continue with what you are doing? So, over time, you know. I've seen that people coming in to support, and that's maintained the work that we have been doing now, until now. So we're here in Vancouver right now. What would you like Canadians to do? For me and for us, these are Canadians' company, you know. And you see, we are here looking at the Pacific Ocean, all right? 
and it's connecting you and me. So any activity on the Pacific Ocean is going to affect your coastline as well. And now the sea has no boundary. So Canadians really need to speak up to the government to ensure those companies doing work outside of Canada must also follow the strict regulation that they've been following in there. So for seabed mining, there's no place for seabed mining at the state, so Canadians should say no to seabed mining. And use every platform available, media, through parliamentary uh, voting, to elect leaders so that they continue to push this. Because this project, the seabed mining project, is a Canadian initiation, you can say. They, they are the ones that initiated this project because of the companies that came from here. Okay, thank you very much for doing this and thank you for all that you do. So, if anything that Canadians can do, they have to come back to their route because this is where the discussion on shipping mining started. Excellent. So, so we, we continue to raise this issue and apparently we're calling on the, our government, on their portion, the, the responsible government around the world. Like if friends have to come out clearly on the COP27 last year and call for a ban, what about the other countries, those well-developed nations? And also we, we want to use other platforms like this, Impact 5 and COP or any other international gathering to raise this issue of shipwreck mining. And for us, because the project is right in our terrestrial waters, unlike some other sites where ESA has given approval for, those are, you know, out at the international waters. But for the seabed mining license granted to Natalus and those other interested companies coming, it's within our territory water. So we are calling on ISA or ESA to revoke the decisions and cancel all those licenses that have been granted for exploration of mining in PNG waters. And the same applies to PNG government to cancel all those licenses. There is no need for seabed mining in PNG waters and in the Pacific. Yeah. So I think everyone's got a role to play. If you can fish in the afternoon or in your lunch, you have a role to play because that fish is coming from a place that you continue to have a good diet, your health. You wash in the healthy ocean, you eat healthy fish. So you got a role to play to protect the ocean or the seas. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for the interview and thanks for doing what you do. Thank, thank you. Welcome. And like I said, we, we always thank the media for continuing disseminating this information. The government will present that all this. Like right now, no government official is present to say something on super mining. But this information is going to reach their table. It's going to reach their ears. It's going to be shown on the, you know, television. They're going to see it and it's going to, you know, disturb them. What is their role in protecting nature and humanity? Thank you. Thanks again for checking out Scanna with Mark Larry Young. 
Please subscribe so you don't miss upcoming interviews with Howard Garrett on the story of Tokutai, author David Schiffman talking sharks, Rowena Ray sharing stories from her book on salmon, and so much more. And please join our pod at patreon.com backslash scanna. Your support, your money, helps us pay for the tech and the people required to make this happen. And with enough support, we'll be able to share more stories to help save the orcas and the oceans. I'd like to thank all our Patreon patrons, including Philip Ashdown, Kayla, Christina, Catherine Dodd, Solomon Siegel, John Lowe, Robert Anderson, Simon McNair, Nancy Campbell, Darren Learn Young, and Yosef Wask. Scan is also brought to you by Orca Publishing, publishers of my three books about whales for younger readers, Orcas of the Sailor Sea, that's a picture book, Big Whale Small World, that's a board book for babies, which means it's 100% chewable, and Orcas Everywhere, an orca book for whale huggers of all ages. And I'd also like to thank our friends at Eagle Wing, supporters of the 1% for the Planet Initiative. Follow us on social media and share the show with your friends. Share it with strangers. Reviews on your favorite podcast provider are always appreciated. If this podcast doesn't work for you, I'm Joe Rogan. Scan is produced in Sanish, BC, territories of the Sanish, Songhees, and Esquimalt peoples. Scanna is produced by the always awesome Rain Banu, the Scanna site, and so much more, courtesy of our Wizard of Web, Katie Brown. Audio awesomeness, thanks to Bug Lewis. Scanna's theme, Scanna, is by Leah Abramson. And for now, in the unforgettable words of Dory, just keep swimming. Hey, 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 hey,